I just want to say that my my daily mantra is this, you know, I just I and when I'm out walking, I think this may our you know, may our daily food choices be a reflection of our deepest values. And I just believe, you know, collectively and very fundamentally that we have the power through our daily food choices to make meaningful and lasting change for the better. Hi, and welcome to the Sliced Podcast, where we share startup stories from founders, investors, and CEOs from across the globe. A little bit about our platform, Startup Blog Post, is that we're a community where aspiring entrepreneurs and venture capital ecosystem stakeholders can share meaningful insights, engage with colleagues and peers, and stay informed. Hi, and welcome back to the Sliced Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Ahrens. Today's guest is Jody Boyman, co-founder and chief purpose officer at Hungry Planet. Hungry Planet is chef-crafted, plant-based meats that's on a mission to bend the curve on personal and planetary health that's delicious and nourishing. Hi, Jody. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be on your show. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you. I am so excited to dive in. And, you know, we were saying before the podcast that don't tell anyone, but food and beverage episodes tend to be some of our favorite because who doesn't want to talk about food and beverage? So (laughs) (laughs) it's an extra special, it's extra fun for us. So I would love to just kind of start and get to know you a little bit more and where you're from and where you went to school. Yeah, so a little background on me because I've been around the block a bunch. Um, You know, I just want to to let your audience know that, you know, my roots are, I was born an animal lover Mm -hmm. and I've been plant-based now, if you can believe it, for about 45 years. So I cannot believe that uh, actually. Yeah. It's a long time. (laughs) It's longer than most people are alive that I'm talking to. So (laughs) anyway, um, but you know, in St. Louis as a kid, I was one of, I was, you know, I'd spend hours after rainstorms rescuing earthworms from the pavement and, Aww. you know, relocating them to grassy areas and baby birds that would plunge from their nests and I'd give them extravagant names and, you know, nurture them back and dogs who were dumped along country roads and stuff. So, you know, it's just been in my heart from a long, long time and, as a youngster during family meals, um, I would often mortify my parents, particularly my mother. I'd look down at my plate and I'd say, so who did this used to be, you know, which made everyone at the table squirm. And this is back, you know, in the early 1970s. So, and I was also one of those kids that you know, I was very earnest and I had lots of inspirational quotes taped to my wall and including an extra special one from Chief Seattle. And you might know this one. I love it. We do not inherit the earth from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children. So that oh. really planted a seed with me. That's from impactful. Brilliant. Yeah, it is. Right. And so that was one of several quotes up on my wall. And so then, you know, for a decade after graduating from college, you know, I was a wildlife photographer and I spent significant time in Africa and Antarctica and other 
far-flung places. And those sort of immersive experiences reinforced my belief that we really only protect what we love, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and I've always fiercely loved all sentient beings and all wild habitats. So, you know, l later on in my life, I became a psychologist and I had two children in my late 30s and I founded a small business. And then several years ago, um, I was eager for that next chapter and uh, felt compelled to dive pretty much wholeheartedly into something that would move the needle, needle significantly. And this is important because I'm a middle-aged person in my lifetime, right? Like mm -hmm. I want to actually see that needle move while I'm alive. So to that end, um, you know, Hungry Planet began as a passion project to make a better, more just and sustainable world. And my my kid brother and co-founder, he doesn't like it when I call him that, but he is my kid brother and co-founder, Todd. And I have a deep and abiding hunger to feed, you know, a healthy, hungry planet. So we decided to build a platform for positive change where we could sort of eat our way to a healthier planet. Everybody likes to eat, so mm -hmm. we just need to make it healthier and doing this while staying true to our deepest values. So we set out on a mission to craft, you know, a wide range of proteins from the very beginning that would accomplish several important things. It would, you know, feed our growing human family, what we're up at almost 8 billion now, right? And in, in my lifetime, that has gotten much, much bigger, uh, prevent environmental destruction, avert global pandemics, which we're in the middle of now, <laughs> And of course, reduce animal suffering, which is sort of where this all began for me. So, and as you mentioned at the top, you know, our mission is so simple. It's to bend the curve on personal and planetary health with the only full range of delicious and nourishing plant-based meats. That is so cool. That's such a great overview. I do want to backtrack and touch on a couple things too. So I am curious with your love of animals and horses, and you mentioned name dropped a couple other animals. Did you grow up on like a farm or where were you collecting these worms after a rainstorm? Yeah. So earthworms and baby birds and dogs. Um, I grew up in a very rural environment. Um, my dad was the president of a college in, in rural Illinois on a 500 acre campus as gated campus is where I grew up, where, where my brother and I and our younger sisters. So, you know, I was off for hours at a time on my own, just walking and walking and walking in the woods and communing with nature. And it was just always um, such a touchstone of happiness mm -hmm. for me. So, yeah, so it was rural Illinois and later rural Missouri, but we definitely had a staunchly Midwestern upbringing. I was curious, as you were describing your youth, I was like, there's no way she grew up in a city. <laughs> there's just no way. <laughs> no. <laughs> Had to be rural. I didn't. Yeah. I have a little bit of an aversion for big cities that has remained with me throughout my lifetime because I'm sort of, you know, I'm a bit of a dichotomy, right? I'm a, I'm a card carrying introvert, um, but I'm also an activist at heart. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I grew up gravitating towards wild places and have never much liked big cities. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, you know, right now I, I live in, in Santa Barbara, which is pretty spectacular. And it's a good combination of, 
you know, the right size for me, uh, lots of uh, outdoor spaces. And my favorite place, of course, is just to be up in the foothills, uh, either, you know, trail running or, or riding my mountain bike or, you know, down at the, at the beach walking or something like that. But just being out in nature has always uh, been my favorite thing to do. That's so awesome. I, I like to be out in nature as well. I uh, ran in college and still try and run a little bit. I've done one or two half marathon trail races and they were truly, and I mean, just the worst days of my life. <laughs> they, were, they were so hard because you have to look down at all the roots and everything. Oh my gosh. It's wild. It's so hard. So for me, that is meditation. The yeah. <laughs> that, that is absolutely the allure. So I have run the Catalina Island Trail Marathon 12 times. Oh and, gosh. you know, almost a decade ago when I turned 50, I came in first in my wow. category. Which was You're probably cool. faster than me. <laughs> so I don't know that I'm built for speed. Well, in fact, I know that I am not, but I am definitely tenacious. And I, you know, have, and also, you know, you're just surrounded by incredible nature and buffalo and, you know, these challenging um, single track trails up and down over 26.2 miles. But yeah, it's punishing, but it's just a beautiful experience. And every time I'm done, I'm like, yeah, that's my last time. And then I'm like, okay, when can I start? And then you did 11 more. (laughs) And then I did 11 more all plant-based, you know, like I've been plant-based through it all. And I, just find that I have great recovery. You know, I, I don't have uh, inflammation issues. Um, you know, I sleep well, I digest my food easily, you know, all of those things that other runners sometimes juggle and deal with just don't seem to be part of what I have to deal with. So yeah, I'm so glad to hear that you're a runner. It's yes. so, it's so great. I love being oh, yeah. out and running and those natural endorphins and, and all of it. Yeah. Pretty special. It is special. And um, it makes me sad when people say they don't like to do it because, or they're not good at it. Because I'm of the mindset that you can't really be bad at running. I think it just takes a while to get to a particular threshold to where you're comfortable and your body can adjust. But base, I feel like everybody can do it. It's just a matter of putting your mind to it. Yeah. And, and just getting that positive feedback loop going, right? Where you, where the endorphins kick in, even if it's after two miles or mm-hmm. three miles and you think, you know, okay, it was a little painful, but then you feel great the rest of the day. Yeah, you do. That's why <laughs> yeah. I like running in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so cool. So I would, out of my own curiosity, kind of like to dive into Hungry Planet. I will say I am not a vegan, but Sam, my producer, is. So I'm going to mic her up really quick as we talk about, um, as we get into exactly the plant-based meat that you guys have created. So could you tell me a little bit about, especially for our listeners who may not know, when you say plant-based meat, do you mean like a black bean burger? What exactly is it that's in this plant-based meat? Yeah, so we realized early on um that we really wanted growing up in the Midwest, you know, that the challenge was going to be to create uh, meat from plants that exactly mimics meat from animals. Um, Because otherwise you're really only ever going to be appealing to the vegans and vegetarians of this world. Mm -hmm. And that's a very, you know, at any given moment in time, you know, and, and there's huge churn rate in there, but it's anywhere between, I don't know, you know, one and 5% of the U.S. population, right? And people fall 
off the wagon all the time, especially in the 70s, 80s and 90s, because there was there were no options. Right. Right. You know, unless you were really pretty committed and hardcore, you just got bored pretty easily. I mean, you know, back in the day, all I had was, you know, a health food store with like powdered soy granules to make soy milk and amaranth or something. And that was it. So, you know, no, there are other companies that have been doing, you know, more starchy kind of black bean rice, you know, burgers and stuff for 30, 35 years. And and those are great, but they've never sort of broken through to what I would consider is the flexitarian market, which to me represents, you know, 95% of people on the planet who for health or environmental reasons or some combination of the above are starting to wake up to the fact that their food choices actually have meaningful ramifications. And if they don't have to sacrifice taste or texture and, you know, their brain really just gets lost in it and they're like, wow, this tastes like what I'm used to. It's not something different. You know, then you've really won won them over, right? And they're Mm -hmm. much more likely to uh, swap in meat more often during the week, whether it's just once a week or or once a month. We hope, of course, it's, you know, a couple times a day, ideally, um, so that it's just more sustainable uh, because we're not eating sustainably right now. And I think everybody sort of is waking up to that fact. So Mm -hmm. that's what, so that's what it is. And, And our platform Um, you know, we have, we sort of have less ingredients than pretty much anybody else out there. We have about half the ingredients of the two largest, uh, companies in this space. Um, all of our ingredients are non-GMO. Um, we have about half the calories, a fraction of the fat, importantly, no saturated fat, um, and lower sodium than, you know, pretty much anybody else, uh, working to solve this problem. And the reason that's the case is because, you know, we've been working at this for a very long time, you know, the better part of a couple decades, actually. Um, so we, you know, we're patient and, you know, we, we, we worked on our R and D and we didn't know if ever that time was going to come when we could step into the space fully with our portfolio and say, here world, here we are, you know, we've already cracked the code and we have nine proteins, you know, uh, ready to go. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're looking to include committed carnivores, omnivores, flexitarians, vegetarians, and vegans, you know, everybody uh, who, who, you know, wants to eat meat that just happens to be made from plants. So cool. Sam, do you want to say anything? Out of your nine products, what do you say is like your favorite? Um, let's see. You know, well, it, it's a little strange because we've punked some of the largest meat companies on the planet uh, with our crab, for instance, and our lamb as appetizers where we've served them. No way. And then it was sort of a reveal at the end, and they didn't right? Know? And that's so cool. They had no, they had no idea. So, you know, if I smell our lamb cooking down the hall, I, I actually can't stomach it, and I, and I need to leave because it, it smells so much like lamb. So, really? we are currently uh, expanding into the Middle East right now, and so lamb, I think, will be 
you know, a huge thing for us in, um, you know, all over the Middle East, actually. So that's, that's an exciting thing. You know, I, I think beef and burgers has sort of been done and we're super grateful to the biggest companies in this category for educating everybody about beef and burgers. But to me, eating plant-based is just a much broader proposition than that, right? I mean, at a certain point, you're like, yeah, I've had a burger and I want something else. You know, I need some variety in my diet. And, you know, we're in food service and retail, and we are a chef-crafted company first and foremost. So we love that all of our nine proteins, you know, in the raw ground format can be converted to any cuisine globally, right? So any chef without any additional training just takes our uh, protein, whichever one they want for their favorite dish that already sells well at their restaurant. And we just say, look, all we're saying is just swap one thing in that recipe, just swap Hungry Planet for fill in the blank, conventional beef, pork, crab, lamb, and voila, you have, you know, a plant-based dish that's much more sustainable, um, you know, from an environmental perspective on water and CO2 and land. We've done a lot of research on our meats and how much of a savings we offer across that spectrum. And it varies by protein, but generally it's about a 90, 90% uh, savings in water and um, in CO2 emissions, and then, you know, somewhat in the high 70s for land area uh, savings. So it's very encouraging to know. And I think people, honestly, they just want to be empowered with information to make choices, you know, and whether or not they see that information and make a choice today, doesn't matter to me so much is that it's just, they want to make informed choices. And so somewhere down the line, when it becomes, you know, readily available and it's affordable and it's ubiquitous, they will, you know, Mm -hmm. start making those choices and pivoting more towards including plant-based meats in their diet. And, you know, I I think you're probably aware of of what's happened in plant-based dairy, right? So in about 20 years, which is a blink of an eye, almost almost 50% of U.S. um, refrigerators have a non-dairy milk in them next to cow milk, right? So they 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 coexist side by side in, in people's refrigerators. I'm one of and, those 50% for sure. I do yeah, like oat well, milk in my coffee, but I'll cook with yeah. regular milk. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a you part go, of this right? statistic. <laughs> yeah, you're a flexitarian, which I is am. super cool. Thank which is you. Super that cool. makes me feel so, really, I'm going to tell people that. I'm a flexitarian. Yeah, no, it's a cool name. You are. It's a badge of honor. It really yes. is. And so we expect you know, the same to happen with plant-based meats. So, Mm -hmm. you know, over time we'll, because, you know, I don't know what happened during the pandemic, but it happened in a lot of my best friend's families were, you know, kids from college were coming home from, from school during the pandemic and then having to live in very close quarters with their parents Mm -hmm. and their siblings and making the announcement, Hey mom and dad, I'm, I'm Mm plant-based. And then, you know, the freak out that happens as a result of that pronouncement is, is, is serious, you know, and the last thing we want is for people to be stressed out in the kitchen, right? I mean, we just want to be the easiest solution 
support whoever is in charge of the cooking in the kitchen, um, especially during all these pandemic months is, you know, let's just create a lasagna with Hungry Planet beef instead of conventional beef, put it on the table and everybody sitting around the table from vegan to hardcore carnivore can love it and mm-hmm. not even taste the difference, right? right? To me, that's a huge victory. That is so neat. I am curious with the nine proteins, You, since you have been a vegan for 45 years, were any of these your recipes? Um, so these, these recipes were um, worked on over many, many years by chefs. Okay in our employee and food scientists in our employee. So during all those years when I was plant-based before there were the kinds of options that Hungry Planet is offering, you know, I really had to gravitate more towards, you know, at times in college, it was sort of a junk food diet, you know, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you, it was just what was available. There was a sort of a scant salad bar. Um, You know, occasionally I could talk somebody into making me a smoothie in the back kitchen you know, but it was pretty boring. And most of my friends who were sort of um, experimenting with being a vegetarian back in the early 80s, you know, they were with me for a while, but they probably they pretty soon were like, you know, Jody, this is super boring. We're going to go back to eating what we were eating. So it wasn't, you know, we had Todd and I had the vision, but we had chefs working on those recipes to perfect them and food scientists over all of those years while we were just sort of waiting for the right time. We were just being incredibly patient and we didn't know actually if it was gonna ever happen, but fortunately it did. And the advent of Beyond and Impossible, I think really helped, as I mentioned before, to sort of raise general awareness about Mm -hmm. this category. And then, you know, we were able to come in and offer, you know, very, very healthy nutritionals, as I said, you know, half the calories, a fraction of the fat, no saturated fat, lower sodium, less overall ingredients, which I think, you know, is really appealing to people um, that are trying to eat uh, a healthier diet. Hey, everyone, it's Sam. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the episode so far and hearing my voice a little bit more than usual. While I'm always sitting in the room taking notes and making sure everyone sounds perfect, it was fun to mix it up and talk to Jodi about her favorite products as a plant-based eater myself. Coming up, Jodi tells us about scaling her company, how passion can make an introvert a situational extrovert, and why your diet is a form of activism. Was it difficult for you in the beginning when you kind of first took the leap of faith and said, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to start this company. What would you say was, you know, your biggest concern when you first got started? Well, gosh, from about 2015 until a couple of years ago, we were a very small team who wore many hats, you know, including sales, marketing, operations, PR, social media, design, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it's really only been in the past two years where we've been rapidly building a world-class team, um, you know, to scale expeditiously now that that our time is here in order to meet quite honestly, global demand, right? So you might've read, but in January of this year, we announced a $25 million raise 
that has really, you know, been able to further Mm -hmm. accelerate our growth. Um, So, you know, I find it so funny. People pull me aside and they're like, hey, you know, what's your exit plan? And I'm like, what? (laughs) Right now, all my bandwidth is taken, you know, and we're just like, we're so fully absorbed and executing to what I would consider three-dimensional chess, you know, that plan for this year and next year. And the focus just needs to remain on, you know, building a thriving business and remaining true to our mission and creating a team of capable individuals to help bend that curve. Mm -hmm. So it's a heavy lift. Um, you know, being an entrepreneur is hard work. It's much harder than anyone can possibly imagine. You know, even if you've done the hard work and are perfectly positioned at the right moment in time in a hot category, all of which, you know, we're fortunate Mm -hmm. to have for ourselves, but You know, I always just tell people, make sure that your entrepreneurial spirit is focused on something that draws on your passion, because otherwise it's really tempting at times to sort of just give up. And, you know, the other thing I'd like to mention is that it's really important to build your support network before you actually need it, like Mm -hmm. anticipate that you will need it because if you're doing things right, you will. So you know, building a great business just really requires great people. And it's all about the team. So, you know, to get started, you need, as we were talking about the vision, the drive, the focus and the wide variety of talents and skills. But at a certain point, it will become as it had for us abundantly clear, that you need more capacity and capability and bandwidth. So, you know, nurturing that strong um, network of accomplished and mission aligned people has been fantastic for us because they've been able to provide advice and provide a lending hand and, you know, help us figure out what we can't and shouldn't be doing all by ourselves because we were working honestly in those early years, 80, hundred hour weeks and, you know, weekends (laughs) and yeah, no vacations. I mean, I still haven't had a vacation in about seven years. So it's, it's a big, big lift. Um, But now we have about 40, 45 employees and, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's almost as much work, but it's just a lot more fun. (laughs) Right. Right. Especially when you start to see that work pay off too. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Well, I have to ask because I think I'm looking at Sam. I'm pretty sure I'm right. I think this is the first time we've had sibling co-founder. Is that right? It is. Yes. It is. Okay. So I have to know about this dynamic. How did your brother get involved? Was it the two of you from the start? And what is that like? Because I have a younger sister and I just don't know how this situation would work out for the two of us. (laughs) 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 She's great. Um, Yeah. So, you know, it, we hear this all the time. I mean, there's a lot of uh, people that know each other or we're in graduate school together or whatever, but um, very seldomly is it, is it siblings? In fact, I've been on podcasts where they're like, we've done hundreds of these and we've never had sibling Mm -hmm. co-founders before. So what I love about working with my younger brother is that, you know, he comes with about 30 years of business experience. He was a tech entrepreneur and a tech investor. He's just wicked smart. He's like one of the smartest 
and most compassionate people that I know. I like to say he's sort of the Swiss army knife at Hungry Planet. Like he was doing all the legal stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, for years and he can pretty much, both of us can pretty much wear all of the hats, you know, it's not fun and it's not easy, but uh, now we have people to do that. So um, I think, you know, we have each other's back and we're completely mission aligned and we founded this company together. You know, it was a passion project right from the very beginning, you know, back to our mission, which is to bend the curve on personal and planetary health. And we knew we wanted to do that, but we just weren't sure what the vehicle was going to be. So we discussed a lot of different options actually. And eventually we just were like, it's the food, stupid. Like, you know, mm-hmm. neither of us have a food background. So I think we were slightly trepidatious, but we did realize that food is the biggest common denominator of the human experience. It is the biggest single lever that we can grab to create change, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and meaningful change and in our lifetime. So so, yeah, I, I just, you know, every day is an adventure, to be honest with you. I mean, there's just so much going on, but, um, you know, we're in regular contact with each other. I'm based in our West Coast office, as I mentioned, in California, where we have a lot of co-manufacturers and uh, a lot of the initial sales and marketing was based out of here. And he is uh, based in St. Louis, Missouri, which is where our headquarters is which is where four of our five full-time chefs are based. Um, And we, of course, have our chief culinary officer is a certified master chef, of which there are only 62 in the country. So it's the highest designation. And, um, you know, he came from years and years uh, at the uh, Culinary Institute of America, and he was head of uh, dining at Yale University for almost a decade and fed thousands of students and dozens of dining halls and, you know, wrote the book on, you know, from scratch, high, you know, uh, from scratch cooking at high volumes. Um, it's literally like a phone book. It's quite impressive. So, you know, we met him early on and that really helped us sort of um, coalesce our vision a bit mm-hmm. more and, and really test it. And just say, hey, Chef Ron, you know, what do you think about this? And here, taste our meats. And he did, you know, he has people coming up to him all the time saying, taste this, taste that. And I think he, I think it was our crab cake that sort of did it for him. Okay. And he, his hands just went down to his side and he, he just spun around and he looked at Todd and he said, wow, that's game changing. And how can we work together? Like, I I have to get involved with whatever it is you're doing here. This is just outstanding. So, you know, yeah, it's down, it started out as siblings, but, you know, not long thereafter, it it started to involve, you know, Chef Ron. And uh, we already had an R&D chef that had been working on it for quite some time, but we introduced the two of them. And then, you know, things just really started moving quickly after that. Wow. Well, I'm hungry now. (laughs) <laughs> and it sounds like I would really like Chef Ron to make me a meal. I feel like he would do an excellent job. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He is such a wonderful oh. human being, and he's so talented. And, you know, I don't know we're, if you've heard, but we're doing this partnership right now with uh, Miyoko's uh, food truck. Um, they're a plant-based uh, dairy company, cheese in particular. Very and good. so they've got this like new product. <laughs> yeah, it's called Liquid Moz. 
And uh, so the Miyoko Liquid Maz food truck is on this, you know, tour of of New York and Chicago, and it's on the road for a few weeks, I think. And so they're doing a margarita pizza, and then they're doing an Italian sausage pizza featuring our sausage. So Chef Ron has been turning up at the food truck in, uh, you know, Union uh, Square and in, in Manhattan. And he, I think he also went to Chicago for a little bit and interacted with the chefs in the food truck and, um, you know, helped put some of these pies together and help serve some, but, you know, it's just, it's just really fun. I mean, he's, he, he just loves food. He loves working with other chefs. He loves innovating, um, you know, and under his tutelage, you know, we've grown so that we now have about 30 SKUs um, across food service and retail and e-com uh, with more coming soon. We've got um, a breakfast sausage uh, patty and a breakfast sausage crumble, which in my opinion, having eaten this stuff for, you know, decades is absolutely best in its class. And I'm just so excited for it to uh, come onto the scene and for people to taste it. But there's lots more coming, but we already have about 30 SKUs active in the system right now. My gosh, that's so exciting. And I'm curious, where can people find Hungry Planet? Are you in like Whole Foods? Are you in all 50 states yet? So we, um, we always tell people to go onto our website and click on the tab that says find us because we work very hard to keep that up to date. So okay. it'll show you, you know, everywhere in your geography where you can find us in, you know, restaurants and grocery stores and delis. Um, I think we've even added a tab so that you can know that we are now available in Costco.com. We're available in Amazon. Uh, we're getting into all, I think it's 180 or 190 uh, Gordon Food Service stores with our brand new ready to heat meals that include a Salisbury steak and a chicken piccata and an Italian sausage and pepper with penne full meals, right, that are just super healthy, all plant-based. You just pop them in the microwave and have it for dinner. You could put it on a beautiful plate and nobody knows the difference. So, you know, if you go on to there, but, you know, we just, we're very proud that we just launched an all 362 Sprouts locations. Wow. So, you know, for people who are listening that shop at Sprouts, mm -hmm. please, please look for us in the frozen section, um, you should see seven of our brand new ready to eat items. So these are all pre-cooked um, meats, including, you know, grilled uh, chicken strips, um, uh, Thai meatballs, um, pork gyoza, which are just mm. phenomenal, you know, all of these things. So it's all on our web website if you want to see sort of what we offer and then go to the Find Us tab and you can see all the Albertsons, Safeways that we're in. We're getting into uh, new geographies in the next month in Seattle area, in Northern California. We're already all throughout Texas in Randall's and Tom Thumb and Albertsons. So, you know, we're on the East Coast in various places. So it's, it's happening so fast that really it's best to look at it full time. Okay. I mean, uh, uh, real time, real time in the find us section. Real time and full time. <laughs> and full time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is it's so cool. It's a veritable tsunami. Yeah, it is cool. 
That is so neat. Well, you touched on something earlier that I do want to circle back to. You mentioned being an introvert, and I'm curious how that has impacted you as you've gone in and done things like fundraising. Has that been a challenge for you, or is that something that your brother handles mostly? Yeah, so I'm the CPO, which is Chief Purpose Officer, and my brother is... um, you know, the CEO, right? So he he, um, is the one designated to do the biggest lift with fundraising. I mean, I often come in and have those conversations, but they are led by him. That's the stuff that he lives and breathes, you know, Mm -hmm. every day as you're growing a company and growing quickly in, in a hot category, you know, your burn rate can be significant. And, you know, there's an awful lot of people who want to invest Um, And that's wonderful, but we also want to make sure that those that we're partnering with, you know, um, add something more, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that adds something maybe, yeah, you know, like a a commercial partnership, for instance, which is what we attained through our partnership with, uh, with post holdings earlier in the year when we did the raise. Um, the $25 million raise. I mean, you know, that that's been significant for us. because they are already in massive distribution, you know, throughout the United States. And so, you know, we, it's a little bit more turnkey um, to have access to hundreds and hundreds of brokers who are already out there. uh, And then we'll now start representing our brand. Um, So being an introvert in life is tough, right? Because I'm happy to just sit at home and read books all day long and go for walks with my dogs and never talked to anybody for a week at a time. And I think founding this business has really um, pushed me out of my comfort zone to a degree. And I have found that when I'm passionate about something, I can actually be a situational extrovert. Um, You know, I can, I can talk to people. I can go to mixers. I can, you know, even get on the stage if I must and, and talk about because what I'm doing, because I, I am so passionate about mm-hmm. it. it. It is to my core. It is in my DNA. Um, it's so natural to me. I can't not do it. Right. So, mm-hmm. so I just sort of have to dig deep and, um, you know, leave the fundraising and the, the, all the massively extroverted stuff to other team members that love that. I mean, you know, it's interesting just among our five chefs, you know, two of them are very extroverted. One in particular, Ty Davis, who's just a rock star. He can entertain anybody, you know, even if they're yawning, he'll get your attention and and pull you into what he's doing. You know, we feature him on our social media a bunch. And then we have, you know, real introverted uh, chefs as well, who are just great in R and D like they can just be in a lab for 12 hours and just get something done. Right. Mm So, um, that's what I love about our company is we attract introverts and extroverts and we're just building a culture that welcomes both and, you know, people who are just feel some calling to, to the mission that we're about, you know? That's Um, wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Well, is there, I think you also touched on this earlier as well, but I'm going to circle back to it. A particular piece of advice that, maybe you wish you knew when you were starting out and what you would tell somebody who's just starting out in their journey? Yeah, we talked about, you know, the fact that being an entrepreneur is just hard work. So be be ready, you know, for that. We talked about 
how it's really important to build your support network before you need it. Um, those are key pieces of advice. Um, so, you know, if I were to share something that stands out for, you know, what I would want the next generation to know coming up behind me is that to me, and I think to others, are, they're seeing this too, that food is really activism at the most basic level, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of opportunity in food for positive change. So, you know, what we eat has such a profound impact on our health and on our earth and, um, and of course, on the animals themselves. Um, and I, I'm always just struck by the fact that, you know, somehow we, we manage to feed 80 billion land animals a year and yet you know we struggle to feed eight billion humans mm -hmm. something's wrong with that equation you know and then i just recently learned that so sad 11 people die um every hour from starvation Ooh, um and so you know i just it's unacceptable to me we need to um Oh, I'm sorry. It's 11 people die of hunger every minute. Oh, that's not worse. Hour. That's worse. <laughs> yeah. And yet, you know, right. And yet we are feeding um, 80 billion and that's just land animals. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know how many it is. It's, it's like triple that if you're counting all the aquatic species that we're dragging out and eating as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's just a, it's just a really, really big opportunity mm -hmm. and, um, you know, surround yourself with people who, um, have been in the industry and can bring knowledge, uh, that have has sort of already had that trial by fire. You know, we, we have very intentionally hired people who have, you know, been in the food industry for years and years and have sort of taken companies from tens of millions to hundreds of millions, you know, to, to really nice exits, uh, you know, half billion and, and, and bigger. So these are people that just have a lot of experience under their belt and not a lot phases them. Although I will tell you <laughs> that we push them to the max because we are playing three-dimensional chess with these 30 skews and, mm -hmm. you know, all these different form factors that we have when, you know, much, much, much bigger companies are doing like one or two of the things that we're doing, you know, beef right. and, and burgers. And now they're like, well, maybe we'll add, you know, whatever Italian sausage. We're like, yeah, mm -hmm. we've been doing we've been all doing that, that for that. a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, 30 skews is a lot. It is. Sure. Wow. It well, is thank you so much for sharing. Is there anything else you'd like to add either about your journey or about Hungry Planet that maybe I missed? Um, you know, I just want to say that my, my daily mantra is this, you know, I just, I, and when I'm out walking, I think this may our, you know, may our daily food choices be a reflection of our deepest values. And I just believe, you know, collectively and very fundamentally that we have the power through our daily food choices to make meaningful and lasting change for the better and on a global scale. So, you know, right now is such an exciting time because there are so many incredibly intelligent, creative, thoughtful people who are starting to meaningfully step into this gigantic challenge. 
that's before us and lend their skills and expertise. And so, you know, the younger generations have inherited a massive environmental crisis of which I am not at all proud because it happened during my lifetime. And so, you know, it's incumbent on us all to, to flip that script and, and realize, you know, it's actually a massive opportunity to, to create solutions. So mm -hmm. I always say, let's get going. And there's, you know, no better time than the present. So that's what keeps me going. That's what I wake up every morning to do. Um, and, you know, building this community of people that work directly for us, but also people that are discovering um, all of our, our plant-based meats and enjoying them and, and giving us testimonials and, um, you know, we're, we're growing our social network. So that's the best way really for people to kind of tap into what we're doing. Our Instagram is fantastic to sort of see where Miyoko's <laughs> pizza yeah, truck so is. Yeah, that's so cute. We're going to check that out. <laughs> Yeah, for some free slices. So, so yeah, Ooh, free. yeah, no, it's free. <laughs> you can have two pieces. You can have a margarita piece and an Italian sausage oh gosh, piece. I want to see so. if they're coming to Denver. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> well, okay. in Denver, please know that one of my earliest uh, customers is Meta Burger. Okay. And Meta Burger is based in Denver. They have rock star founder chefs and their entire menu is based on Hungry Planet beef and Hungry Planet chicken. And their beef burgers are award-winning, literally oh, award-winning. Maybe we need to have and an outing soon. I have been there. Yeah. You have? I have been there. So I have eaten your food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unbeknownst so you have to already... me. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. So. <laughs> yeah. So it turns out that the governor and his husband, are like the biggest fans. And uh, so the interesting thing is, is that the owners of, you know, the founders of this company, Metaburger, are opening their newest location as guest where in Boulder so that they can stroll on down and, and get their favorite, you know, foods on a regular basis. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we're branded on menu a lot and that's my preference. But for a low awareness brand up until this point, you know, it was sort of a hard sell to get people to sort of brand us on menu. But there's an awful lot out there who are not. And people are eating our food every day and don't even realize that mm -hmm. it's Hungry Planet, including a lot of, you know, very, very um, well-known, you know, famous steakhouses to the stars like Craig's in West Hollywood you know, they do, um, their bolognese is, is sort of famous, uh, in all of California, but, but to the stars, it's famous. And they decided to create a vegan version of this bolognese and, um, it sells on par equally to their beef bolognese now, and you cannot taste the difference. And they also, um, do uh, a pizza with our Italian sausage and oh, and they also carry um, our burger. And for a while there, they were calling it the Hungry Planet Burger. I think it's not branded on menu now, but it is still our meat. So it's a perfect example of the fact that right. you probably eat our food. You just don't know Didn't it know yet. It. And yeah, so please go do try it and uh, and taste it and, and let us let us know, you know, what you like. We will for sure. We will check that out. Thank you so much, Jody. This was so interesting thank you so much for taking the time and just really appreciate it this was really great 
Well, thanks so much to you both um, for having me, for hosting me and uh, spending the time to get to know me and uh, Hungry Planet a little bit more. I, I'm very appreciative. Oh, well, it was our pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Sliced Podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode of Sliced, please email newsroom at startupblogpost.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.